Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Am I available? Ooh, some, but, well, maybe not some. Well, God says, I'm alive in you. Just acknowledge me. I'll give you the desire to be available. Pray that prayer tomorrow morning. See, God says, I'm giving you gifts of service. I'm giving you time. I'm giving you money. And I'm giving you energy. Now, I've given you also my Holy Spirit to live in you. You're equipped. You're enabled. You're empowered. Now, go for it. But I have to have you. I have to have your attention. I have to have your mind. I have to have your heart. When picturing ministry in our mind, we might often think of going to far-off countries or selling everything we own to travel the world. In some cases, this might actually happen, but it's not very often that such large callings take place. Ministry can come in many shapes and sizes, but there's one requirement that's most important of all. Availability. In today's edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark teaches us the importance of making ourselves available to God's call to ministry. In our study, we learned that the only real excuse we might have is simply because we didn't make ourselves available to ministry, whether big or small. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with his continuing study entitled, Enabled, Equipped, and empowered to go. The only way we're any good for God is if we're available. All these other people, all of you, if you left, you're not available anymore. You can't be used by God. God can only use available people. Are you available for God? Oh, Pastor Mark, I, I can fit him in next Tuesday, and uh, there's a little time on Thursday, but pretty much my week's, man, it's booked. Sorry. He doesn't take those kind of disciples. See, you can't say, I'll follow you, but, and then to fill and fill in the line. That doesn't mean we abandon our families because being a disciple of Christ, after God, your family comes first. Let me ask you this morning, are you available? That's why you're talking about full-time ministry? Well, yeah, because you're all full-time ministers, every one of us. So that's what the disciples are going to see. The only ones that he has initially here, the ones that are really ready to watch, ready to step out, are these 12. And he's going to use them because they're available. But he's not going to use their ability. It's God's ability in them. That's the thing that makes the difference. You as a disciple? Well, he told us we have to put him first. We know how this works. Look in Philippians chapter 2. I have it right here for you. Dearest friends, Paul would say this, you're always so careful to follow my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am going away, you must be even more careful to put into action God's saving work in your lives, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Then look what he says. 
For God, speaking to disciples, is, well, God's working in you. And he gives you the desire to obey him and the power to do what pleases him. You say, well, I know that every person in this room that's a Christian, a disciple, wants to please God. I know that. Well, how can it happen? It says here, God will will even give you to change the wonder. Maybe, and as I said right now this morning, I, I challenge you with that statement. Am I available? Ooh, some, but, well, maybe not some. Well, God says, I'm alive in you. Just acknowledge me. I'll give you the desire to be available. Pray that prayer tomorrow morning. See, God says, I'm giving you gifts of service. I'm giving you time. I'm giving you money. and I'm giving you energy. Now, I've given you also my Holy Spirit to live in you. You're equipped. You're enabled. You're empowered. Now, go for it. But I have to have you. I have to have your attention. I have to have your mind. I have to have your heart. It's not this religious deal. I put on my religious coat for Sunday. And as soon as you're out of here, I take it off. And I go back to my thing. Never. Can't be a follower that way. You haven't learned correctly. Now, look at the end of verse 8. Jesus says, freely you have received, freely give. Now, why would he say that? Well, that brings up lesson number five. Important lesson. We learn to give. It'll take you a while to write it. It's okay. We'll learn to give and serve freely because we have received God's forgiveness and goodness without charge. What would happen? Well, Jesus, I'm going to send you out. I want you to heal the people. They were representatives of Jesus. And he says, when you go... I don't want you to charge for any of your services. Well, let's just picture this. Pete and James and John, the threesome. They go to a little town, Jewish town, and uh, they rent this little office. And they said, we're here as the representatives of Jesus. And they spread the word through the town. If you have a broken arm, if you have a blind eye, if you, you have a demon in you, if, you need to be, if your friend needs to be raised from the dead, just come to the office, make an appointment. And you walk in the doctor's office, and there's the fees right on the overhead. Guy walks in with broken arm. I understand that God will heal my broken arm. Yes, he will. hundred bucks. By the way, cash on the barrel. We don't do credit cards. We don't file insurance for you. hundred bucks. Blind eye, thousand. Got a demon, a little more time involved. <laughs> Five grand. Now raising the dead, that's a big one. Fifty grand. Now remember... Remember, they're representatives of Jesus. Did they ever see Jesus charge? Hello? No, never. Now, we laugh at this, don't we? Do you know down through the centuries, the church has done exactly this? There was a time, and there still are, you can go and get somebody to pray, and you must give them money. Still to true today. What a shame. Why did Jesus say freely you receive, freely give? Because everything I have from God, including my salvation, was a free gift. Now, did Jesus pay for anything? He sure did. On the cross, he gave his life. But everything from that moment on to you and me is free. So what do we do here? 
freely receive, freely give. In your life, what God's trying to say is this. Don't use me to be a huckster. But do you know in Christian TV today, you can watch and you can see this. No, not this chart. But here's what you'll hear. We're building a building. If you call in and pledge right now, we'll pray for your lost loved one. Oh, they'll come to the Lord. But you got to call right now with your pledge. God help us. The world looks at that and goes, motivators, hucksters, promoting man. They're exactly right. You can't charge for that. Certainly, why would Jesus say this? Well, in the book of Acts, Simon saw this and he says, how much can I pay to get this gift? Man, I'd like to make some bucks here. We have to be careful with our motives. Jesus clarified it. By the way, Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrated his love for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Before I even knew Christ, he paid everything for me. I have it all free. Am I going to charge you for it? Not a chance. Now, look at verse 9. As they go, what's it going to be like? What are they going to take with them? Do not take along any gold or silver or copper in your belts. Take no bag for the journey or extra tunic or an extra sandal or an extra staff. For the worker, we'll come back to this in a moment, the worker is worth his keep. Here's lesson number six. We learn to walk by faith, live simply, and trust God for everything. Now, you have to put yourselves in these guys' shoes. Pete's thinking, okay, I got my backpack, got some food, got some whatever, boom, 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 and here I go. Jesus said, no. This, by the way, this is unique. This is a training mission. They're going to have to learn to face faith right in the face. Boom. They're going to have to learn to trust God so they can only take with, along with them the minimal supplies, basically what they have on their back. In Luke 22, God changes all the rules and he changes things differently. But this is a training mission. Now, even though they would not charge people for ministering to them, we already covered that, God would provide shelter and food and supplies. How would he do it? Well, they would have to learn to live simply and simply depend on God. That's the hard part. See this? They had to learn to depend on God. Wow. Is that hard? Yes. Say yes. It's very hard. Because I'm kind of independent. I want to do things my way. No, they're going to have to learn to depend on God. So as they go out, good things happen. Let me give you a little scenario how it would work. Peter goes to a town and he begins sharing in this town about the gospel and all the things that are taking place there. As he does this, we understand that people go, wow, kind of excited about what you just said. And as Peter tells a little more about it, then we discover that, well, God's going to, take care of Peter through people. He's going to look back in the verse. I gave you right at the end of verse 10 for the worker is worth his keep. What does that mean? Well, when Peter's there and he's ministering at the end, the guy says to him, "Um, I'd like to know more about this. Would you take some time? And Pete says, yeah, I'll be glad to do that. And the guy says, "Uh, 
Where are you spending the night? What's Pete say? We were told we can't bring any money. I'm going to give you a little test. <laughs> Before you leave the service, I want you to bring all your wallets. Just, just relax, just relax. I want you to bring all your wallets and credit cards up here. And if you have any, I'm not going to touch any of them. But you're going to have to leave them here for a week. And then if you have any snacks with you, you know, they couldn't take any food with them. If you have any snacks, you bring those up here. Now, I won't guarantee you those. If they're good, they might be gone before the week. <laughs> you bring them out here, and I want you to live this next week with no cash, no credit card, no debit cards. You pull and you go, man, I wish I'd known I'd filled up with gas before I got here. <laughs> How hard would it be? <whistles> be difficult. But see, what God was going to say was this. You go out, I'll take care of you. Well, how is God going to take care of them? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. This isn't an altar call. Raise your hand. (laughs) How is God going to take care of the people? You. You. He was going to use you. See, we learn to depend on God and we have to learn to depend on God's people. So let me just say thanks to you. This is kind of the way I am. Those people that are on staff here as ministers and the custodial people and all those things, you know, I have to depend on God. And actually, I have to depend on who? Raise your hand. Raise your hand again. You. I have to depend on you for food. Please give. (laughs) No. Now, is that how it works? Yes. You know, for 25 plus years... I depended on Wusthof Hospital because that's where I got my check. But it really came from God because it always comes from God. But I don't work for Wusthof Hospital anymore. I work for God here. I can't go to Wusthof and say, where's my check? They have a wing for that. It's called the white wing. I've worked in there many times. I was never a customer there, but I worked there many times. So God provides for these 12, the same way he provides for them now. That's why he says, the worker is worthy his his hire. So you guys provide for all of the staff, our salaries, all of those kind of benefits that make this place go, the buildings, the air conditioning, the lights, and whatever. You're God's agents. Who's God's agents? Raise your hand. And you, through your tithes and offerings, keep your hand up, you your hand Through your tithes and offerings, you provide for us. I just want to say to you this morning, thank you. You're great. You're terrific. Now, those of you that don't tithe, don't raise your hand. I won't even go there. That's all right. Do you see? We have to learn to depend on other people. But it's really, we depend on who? God. And we're honest with our money. And you know know the kind of lifestyle we live in, whatever. So we just try to be, because we're just ordinary people. We just try to live that way. So we don't do exorbitant things with God's stuff and we we take care of it. Now look at the next verse. That's why he said that. We're almost through. Hold on. Number seven. We learn that the good news of Jesus divides people. Oh, it divides people. Now why would Jesus say that? He wanted the people to know, his disciples to know, that even the message of the good news, which is life-changing, some people would reject it. They would make fun of it. They would say, nah, later. 
So he's given a realistic understanding that when the gospel is presented, some people are going to say, nah, not interested at all. I'm realistic enough to know that some of you will accept that challenge. But some of you are going to say, nah, not interested. I know that. That's the free will that God gave us. So he's saying to his disciples, we don't force people. We lay it out. They make the choice. It's always the same. Look what it says in verse 11. Whatever town or village you enter, search for some worthy person. In other words, someone that's willing to listen. And stay at his house until you leave. How would that work? Well, I already told you, Pete's there. He's ministering. Somebody in the crowd says, I'd like you to talk more about that. And, and uh, would you come to my house? And where are you staying tonight? Well, I don't have one, but I'll be glad to stay at your house. So Pete goes to the house. And notice it says, when you get to that home, by the way, this was Eastern kind of, uh, that's just the way they did things. They loved having guests. And it, it's still that same way in that Eastern part of the world. They just love that. It's kind of a, kind of a cultural thing. Well, as he got there, it says, it, Jesus says, when you get to the house, stay there. So Pete goes to this guy's house, and he, he's going to spend the night, and he's going to talk to the guy a little bit about Christ, and he goes into the house, and it's kind of Motel 60. It's okay. Didn't have anything before. At least it's someplace to stay. But he notices as he walked down the street, there's this, well, like this Hyatt Regency right next door. And he's thinking in his mind, I wonder if that guy would want to be interested in keeping me for the night talk about Christ. I'll do one night here, but boy, tomorrow night I'm moving over there. They got honor points, they got a pool, they got every breakfast and morning free. It's whatever. What's Jesus say? No, stay there. It's not about the accommodations. Let's read on. What's he going to say to them? As you enter the house, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it's not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your word, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that home or town. See, Jesus was saying, well, when you get in that home, give peace. The guy's interested in talking about Christianity. But maybe the next morning as he got up, the man says in the home, you know, thanks for coming, but I'm not really interested in that jazz. Jesus, give me a break. I could do life without him. Well, Here's what he says to do. He says to take your peace back, show him that, well, things aren't going to be good. In other words, you're never going to have peace in that home until you accept the Prince of Peace. And then something very cultural. When a devout Jew walked into Gentile territory and then came back to their area, they would pound the dust off their feet. Why? Why? Because they didn't want to have any contamination from those Gentiles. So notice what we hear here. He says, when you leave, just if they don't welcome you, shake the dust off your feet. Leave that home in that town. In fact, look down in verse 15. I'll tell you that you would be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on that judgment day than for the town. What does he mean? Well, we're back to choice again. Jesus is saying up front, before they even know where they're going, some homes are going to accept you. Some homes are not. Culturally, you do visually what judgment sounds like. I don't want to have anything to do with you. I'm leaving because it's a waste of my time to try to convince you. I can't convince you if you reject Jesus Christ. The judgment, oh, the judgment will be horrible. But I 
I'm not going to waste my time. I'm moving on. Now, does that apply to us today? No. Next time you're out witnessing somebody, the guy says, well, not really interested in Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> Curses on you and I'm leaving you. No, we're not Jewish. We don't live back then. It doesn't apply to us. What do you do to somebody that says, I'm not really interested in your witness? You leave them. We talked about that pigs and swine and pearls. We don't really say anything. We say just thank you very much and you leave. You pray for them privately and you go on to people that are receptive because there's an urgency to the time. You can't beat somebody into accepting Jesus Christ. God has to do it. So we've learned this morning some incredible principles. And we learned that we're just ordinary people, that God makes extraordinary, he equips, he enables, he empowers us to be his representatives. This week as you go, be his representatives. Are you available? Be available. Will you have any failure this week? Mm -hmm. Just like last week. Thomas, doubting. Peter, boom. But God restored them all. Live in forgiveness. We are going to fail. But you've got to step out and trust him. It's an incredible life of excitement. Just before I end, let me show you two verses that are very divisive. It shows us the power of choice. I'll read them to you and we're through. Here they are. John three sixteen. you know it well. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. See, without God, I'm perishing. I will go to hell, separated from him forever. But God sent his son to die on the cross, so I wouldn't have to do it. But I have to choose to have him come in my life. Look at this next verse, same book, just a few verses down. Whoever believes in the son, Jesus, has eternal life. Here's a big but. But whoever rejects the son will not see life for God's wrath remains on him. What does that mean? Here's the last thing I'm going to share with you this morning. When you were born, the wrath of God was on you, the judgment of God. Why? Because you're born a sinner. We're all born sinners. And sin separates us from God. If I don't remove that wrath, then I will live separated from God forever in a place called hell. But Jesus came to die. He paid the penalty. It bridges the gap. What do I have to do? I have to accept him. I have to ask him into my heart. I have to become a real follower of Jesus Christ. It's my choice. You have to do that. Otherwise, the wrath of God remains on you. It's not God sends no one to hell. You choose to go there yourself. Wrong choice. But we know what happens. Whenever a pastor or church elder might mention a ministry trip or outreach mission, we're often quick to respond by thinking to ourselves how we're too busy to partake. However, as disciples of Christ, each and every one of us are called to ministry. In today's edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark taught us the importance of making ourselves available and open to the calling that each of us has received. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. 
Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. The idea of becoming a disciple, let alone an heir of the kingdom of God, is an absolutely mind-blowing concept. Through the work of the cross, those who put their faith in Christ are given this remarkable opportunity to be a part of God's kingdom. In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will teach us just what it means to be a disciple of Christ. In our study, we'll learn about both the benefits and the demands of discipleship. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a herd.